The following audio discussion is episode one of Astound's podcast series, AI and the Future of Work. Host Dan Turchin, co-founder and chief product officer of Astound, welcomes Brent Knipfer, global enterprise solution architect at Computer Aid Incorporated, to discuss what is changing in the world of work and IT service management. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm joined today by one of my good friends, a role model, a partner, Brent Knipfer, who uh, we're going to have fun with getting to know today. So, Brent, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your, uh, your current role and, and your background? Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Brent Knipfer, I'm the global service, really the service cafe, which is our platform of ServiceNow-centric tools that include Astound at McDonald's. So I'm the global uh, enterprise solution architect is my current role. So that responsibility includes the roadmap, uh, strategy, uh, all design reviews, and really uh, all decisions about what capabilities and content we're going to implement into our platform. So Brent is one of the more colorful personalities in the ITSM community, a community that doesn't always pride itself on, uh, on having a personality. Um, so Brent, you show up at uh, our knowledge session with Joel Eagle from McDonald's, and you're dressed in your finest crushed velvet uh, suit and your top hat. Um, talk to us a little bit about who, who Brent is and, uh, and how you managed to bring personality to a, a boring place like uh, IT service management. Well, I, my da- youngest daughter, I got four, 13 the other day. She was telling her best friend who was over for a sleepover that uh, uh, I'm probably the best dressed man she knows, and she's not sure why. Uh, but I, I attribute really uh, attention to detail is part of that. Uh, and also I enjoy, uh, you know, I think presentation is important and that, you know, goes a long way in our solutions where, you know, we are all focused on user experience. Right? At the end of the day, if you, it's about adoption and uh, usability. In fact, that's the two words I shared with our stakeholder, Joel Eagle, on the first day. I came to this role, I said, your problem is not really a technology problem, nor is it necessarily a process problem. At the end of the day, it's about driving adoption by your users and driving up the usability of the tool, meaning get max out what you're able to do with the platform, get people using all of it. If they're doing that, then your problems will go away as far as uh, any concerns about you know, whether there's going to be enough demand and whether you have enough resources. They'll take care of themselves. If people are adopting your solution, you, you provide good service, then you just get more demand. A lot of people would say service management is, is kind of boring. A lot of people would say, you know, it's not a lot of opportunities to innovate. I think you and I uh, get along because we disagree. Why is it something where, you know, why are you so passionate about what, what we do? Well, the opportunities are really endless if you look. I mean, the needs are so great in any uh, corporation uh, you you got to provide um, more visibility, more transparency. That's what people want. To do that, they got to have more information at their hands. Uh, and yet there's a glut of information. So it's the art of filtering it uh, down to what people can act on. And uh, less is always more. So we're hiding the complexity. Uh, we're making things more relevant, uh, easier to decide. And we're pushing the information from where it has historically been down at lower levels in the organization up to higher levels of organization. We're pushing it into the hands of people who can make decisions. And we're always transforming uh, the, what you're working on. So, uh, and, we're, and what I get a lot of passion on is we're, we're always 
driving towards where things are going to be two and three years in the future, not where they're sitting today. A couple of uh, phrases that come to mind, I'm pushing our team to always think about leap to the future, meaning look to where it's going to be in the future, design your solutions now so that you're not going to have to touch it in, you know, ideally three years, right? And if you do have to touch it in a year, it's because you created so much demand, uh, people are, are bringing those requirements to you faster than you expected. Another phrase is we've we're got to get out of status meetings, which are looking in the past at a static piece of information and have progress meetings. So it's about, can I look at something in real time, have a conversation and progress the work right now? I don't even necessarily need to wait for a meeting. So we can go back to one of the great principles of uh, Hewlett Packard organization, which is managing by wandering around. What that really means is go talk to people, spend your time with people, even if it's your own team members, engaging them and saying, hey, what do you need from me or what can we look at right now and make some decisions right here in real time? You've told me some great stories about prior roles that you've had and you know different organizations you've been around. What are some of the things that looking back to your earliest days kind of in and around service management, what has changed? And then equally important, what hasn't changed? Well, what has changed is, you know, uh, we, we constantly have something that people are focused on that's like eye candy that they want, but they're not necessarily going to implement today. So I use the analogy of you're on the uh, train uh, subway station and there's, you know, you have lots of opportunities to get on a train, but people are making a decision on where that train's going to go. Is it going to take them to the, on the journey, the destination they want to get to, not necessarily the next stop? And so that's the way customers are thinking, especially if they're involved in outsourcing, if they're involved in long-term commitments, which you are if you go to a SaaS cloud platform of any kind. So you're not necessarily interested in just what you're going to get today, but are you, is this partner going to take me to where I want to be? Because it's not going to be easy to get off this train and get on another one. So I, and I, I really want to have a comfortable, easy journey too. So when I make a decision, I want to feel good about it. So that's not changing. That's always the case. But what is changing is when, when some of these things, we look back a decade ago, service catalog was one of those things. People were buying because they wanted a service catalog, but they weren't necessarily going to implement it right then, but they wanted someone who knew about that. What we want to do is always have one, of, one or more of these you know, innovative kind of things that we're embracing, that we have, are getting deep knowledge on, uh, so we can keep adding values to our customers. But say the catalog thing 10 years ago, the concept was, can you give me a self-service catalog? Today, I'm looking at innovative things like and have already done it where we turn that on its head and we turn it into an engine that pushes what the business wants, the policies and process out to the users. Instead of becoming an ad hoc, like a vending machine, we wait for people to come up and buy. But, you know, we just discover what they buy when they put the money in. Instead, we're saying, hey, I have a delivery engine and these are the policies of the business. So today we've created a robot for instance, in, in, in uh, ServiceNow, that automatically launches things into someone's shopping cart and, and says, you, you need to go there and validate this information. I pre-populated it. You need to do this because it's what we need from you as an application owner or what we need from you as uh, someone who makes decisions. These are not approvals. These are saying, hey, is all the data information we have correct? But it's not, we're not doing anything different. We just turn the service catalog around for a much more useful purpose that's much more efficient, much more organized way of doing things. Same thing with um, artificial intelligence. Why is it so important? Because the data glut is so big, and now we understand enough that 
actually the machine can make better decisions most of the time than people. So we let people do what they do best, which is make decisions machines can't make or act on the exceptions or spend their time delivering greater customer service in the conversations they're having with people. In service management, we talk about kind of three, three core tenets, people, process, and tools. Kind of a cliche, but, uh, but in terms of kind of how systems work. If you look back 20 years ago, what would you say has changed the most in service delivery, people, process, or tools? Well, I'd say there's one more that trumps all of those, and that's culture, right? Culture can trump anything, and culture takes changes at the very top of the organization. So sometimes you can go at trying to put in people, process, or te- technology, but if you haven't paid attention to culture, it's, it's doomed to you know, not have the adoption you want or worse, failure. How do you manage culture? It's kind well, of an amorphous concept. You, you have to take, no, you have to understand what the, what the culture of your customer is, whether it's the entire company or, or part of it, a business unit probably at the, at the minimum. And then this is a governance and escalation thing of communicating, you know, this is not going to be successful for this reason or that. Now, at the end, your customer may say, well, I want you to implement it anyway. At least you've taken a position, right? That says, hey, I, I told you this isn't going to work out. Now you'd be careful and you're not going to say, I, I told you so at the end, but, but you got to make sure that you had it on record and you need that, right? There's just part of the assumptions to be successful and you need to drive the right visibility. But I would also say that if you just stick to people, process and technology, I'd say today what's changed the most is probably people. We're now in a world of social media. We're now in a world in which we get applications all, the, all day long. And, and as quick as I change what I'm getting from my Play Store or Apple Store, I can completely change what product I'm using. We're also in a world where people have come to expect that maybe they don't have as much control over the user experience other than to buy or not buy. I mean, I, I show up tomorrow and my Google emails change, right? I didn't get to choose that, nor can I really communicate. LinkedIn changes something they've got. And I really, you know, I get a choice of whether I want to use LinkedIn or not. That's about the only choice I get. But in the corporate world, people expect more controls, but we're, we're but the experience level, you know, with banking, with insurance is going up. Majority of people are going to personal smartphones, not a corporate issue one. They're going to their own devices, even when they don't have to, out of preference. People are preferentially using their tablet or their personal uh, computer at work, even if the company doesn't require it. That's the trend we're seeing, which means we have more horsepower in a hardware and software, I, I would say, for a long time than most of us really need for work. We're buying it because we're doing gaming or we're doing something else or just because we have the ability, right, as, as a personal expenditure. But what this does say is the user experience expectation is, has gone beyond what most businesses are capable of delivering. We're playing catch up in the business world. But we also have to set expectations that work does require more governance, a bit more policy and control than what you will tolerate in your personal use of applications. Well said. There are a number of features in Astound. I don't know if you realize this, but we call them the CNIP for features. And one of the things that one of the things that I like about all the CNIP for features is that you've articulated a requirement that you have, not in terms of technology or technical implementation, but in terms of why it matters for the business. And so I want to I want to challenge you with a, with a few different ideas that you you've kind of inspired us with, and get your take on why those provide business value. So one of them is using AI to assign the root cause CI configuration item to every incident. Who cares? Why does it matter to you? 
It's about the fastest route to get what at the end of the day, people want to resolve their work. I use the analogy. If, I don't need any status, right? If I go into a store and I see the item I want and I, and we make a transaction, I hand you the cash, you had me the item, right? And it's just this one, one person I'm dealing with, right? There's no status neither, right? Cause I got instant gratification. I got my product. We want to strive for that, uh, which whether it's incidents or requests, it's about the fastest time. If you provide it in near real time or less than the person expected, there is no status that's needed. That's the best customer experience, especially if we deliver everything that we want. So in incidents, the fastest way is essentially a matching incident. And this is a basic ITSM idle concept that most people ignore. But with AI, if you say, hey, based on everything I see here, this is exactly like something else and there is the answer, meaning I know the root cause configuration item, and here is the knowledge article with the exact fix, and ideally I can apply the fix, right? So I either communicate to you that this is what I'm going to do, this is what you should do, or I've already done it through an automation, there is no better answer. So then I I would just equate to the simple phrase of, if you give me good data, I can provide good service. If you give me poor data, bad data, it it can only be bad service. We're trying to provide great service. So it's everything is data driven in our world today. And the two key pieces of data are what is the root cause CI? Next is what are the related configuration items? And once I understand that, based upon what the person's asked for, which solution is the right solution? Those solutions are all knowledge articles. Second challenge for you, another knit for feature. I know I'm blindsiding you with this, but uh, these are these we've, we've had impassioned conversations about these in the past. So um confidence-based workflow. So as an example, you know, you've, you've told me good, good colorful stories. You know, if the AI's confidence level is below a certain threshold, then take one action, you know, require this prediction to be made or require this orchestration script to run. But if, it, you know, if it's above a certain threshold, take some different action. So kind of uh, invoke different workflow patterns based on the AI confidence level. What made that a priority for you? Well, I'd say the past we talked about three responses. I think I, I, I've now got a clarity to a fourth one because you, there's basically four paths one can take upon uh, my confidence on something. What I'm suggesting is above a certain level, meaning above a level where the machine is already smarter than a human, just make the change. But tell me as a service desk agent or as a resolver. So give me that color indicator, right? But I, you just go ahead and make the change. So again, it's about speed to do the work. Boom, great, I agree. You're smarter than I am. I'm just going to accept it every time. In another range, I want you to, to make a recommendation, but allow the person to take an action. So let's say that first one is 90% and above. But the beauty with Astound is, right, I have a dashboard, so I can tune that. So over time, is it 93? Do I start out at 87? Typically, you're going to start out at a lower level when I'm first getting and engaged. As I get smarter and smarter, I'm going to drive that level up higher and higher, probably at 95%, right? At a peak operation, anything above, you got no 95% above, just do it. I may even move that to a fifth number, which is at that level, just automate and it's gone. You know, it's about the speed, right? I don't have to click anything. It just accepted the ticket, moved it on to the next status. 90, 95% change and tell me. So here in real time in this podcast, we've just created a fifth dimension, right? So in the, in the next level, let's say that's the 80 to 90% typically, I want you to, to indicate you make the change, right? Or tell me you made a recommendation, but I have to accept it. Then I want the next one that says, hey, this is a lower confidence level. If I make some different change, you're going to tell me, hey, I, don't, I think that's not a good idea. 
So that's the fourth one below like 70%. If I pick something that the artificial intelligence says, hey, I, that, I don't know why you're doing that because that's really low confidence. You should tell me that's a bad idea, again, with a color, but I may choose to accept it or not accept it. You know, it's about uh, visual cueing, right? We're just trying to turn this thing into the uh, red, yellow, green, you know, the stoplight. And we, and we, we create this muscle memory or Pavlov type response to what's happening uh, with this uh, ticket, whether it's an incident or request. So if I'm a requester, the same thing. I'm typing along in the form and it says, oh, okay, well, that's high confidence, great, wonderful. Or based on this, I'm auto-populating four or five fields below because they're, you know, again, the 95% and above or 90% above, I'm going to show you. Maybe some other fields or variables in the background, I don't even put it on the form, but where it's 95% and above, I'm just going to bang it in there because, again, the machine's smarter than the person. And yeah. we know that from the learning models. Right. So we got about two minutes left. So polish your crystal ball. Let's say uh, it's three years from now and we're doing another version of this podcast. What's the biggest thing that has changed in service management three years from now that we look back on and say, you know, we, we saw the future three years ago? Well, I'd say that artificial intelligence is just core capability. And for certain of the processes like that we're focused on now, incident and problem or service desk operations, or certain aspects of infrastructure, IT infrastructure, whether it's on-premise or cloud, already have AI in them out of the box all the time, right? You're not even in the game without having that. But we're applying what we're learning today, three years from now, now we're applying it to different areas, right? Now we're down into problem management, or we're down into you know, areas that still need a lot of work, capacity management, availability management, is diverging into deep back-end operations, and into new areas of customer experience. So our experience is going to, on the user, become uh, more of, I just pick up the device and, you know, it knows a bunch of stuff about what devices I own, what actions I've taken, what's going on. And saying, are you asking about, boom, that's the UI now, right? Because, or, or it's going to say, are you asking about, and it's already put up some things or something else. So now we talk to the machine, right? I think in three years from now, the machine will start talking to us, the Google Assist, the, the robot will be talking to us just because we picked up our smartphone or just because we looked at our PC. That could be a possible user experience. So again, it's it's not doing anything new. It's just saying in what order do things happen? So as I as I use the analogy, we turn the service catalog ahead. I think the, the, the assistant is going to turn. Right now, we're asking the assistant, right? We're talking to it. In the future, I expect the assistant is talking to us. It is more of the concierge and the butler. And just because we looked at it or we picked it up, it's initiating the conversation. I love it. Brent, as that, uh, that vision of the digital concierge becomes a reality, we're going to have you come back, maybe do another episode and discuss it with us here. Does that work for you? Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity, Dan. Appreciate hey, Brent, it. Brent, good catching up as always. All Thank right. you. Have a good time.